the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I see my name in shiny lights, yeah, a different city every night, oh, I, I swear, the world better prepare for when I'm a billionaire. It's time to get down to business on the weekend's number one business program. Known as the king of networking, your host, Shalom Klein, has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs and created countless jobs. So, to success, let's get down to business. We are all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship and business. We talk a lot about business here. You are on with Get Down to Business, and I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts from... My website at ShalomKlein.com. And while you're there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at ShalomKlein. It's going to be a jam-packed week of content and information you will not want to miss. It's a live show you can call into the beautiful studio here in Elker Village, 312-642-5600. We're powered by our good friends at Tandem HR, your solution center. Check out their website, TandemHR.com. Lots of great tips and information. You can give them a call, 630-928-0510. Jam-packed week. We've got a whole bunch of guests on the program. But first up on the program is a very unique story. Um, If you've been listening to Get Down to Business over the past year, you've heard about the Chicago Academy for the Arts. And uh, my next guest is, uh, we're going to share a success story from the Academy. Um, Miguel uh, Lucero, uh, he he has to sing, even at 11.30 at night. He's the only, uh, he's often the only person awake in the family of nine at their Andersonville home. The 14-year-old Lucero uh, can be heard uh, belting out tunes uh, from many performers. I'm thrilled to be joined um, by uh, Juan. Uh, Juan Lucero, welcome to the program. Hello, Shalom. Good to see you. Good to hear you. <laughs> Absolutely. It's great to have you on. What a success story. Let's start with why Chicago Academy, uh, Academy of the Arts. And then I uh, would love to hear about all of uh, Miguel's uh, accomplishments. And, uh, but, but why Chicago Academy for the Arts? Uh, and uh, and why, why, why that pick? Uh, Miguel, did you want to take that one? Yeah. Um, hey, Miguel. So I decided to go to the Chicago Academy for the Arts uh, because, well, I was looking for an art school. And, of course, my mom was like, hey, this would be a great school. And so I I shadowed there. I went to a lot of their shows, and I was like, wow, it was, it was amazing. I just, you know, I had to see, I had to see, like, how, how, like, everyone's art there was just so awesome. Well, Miguel, yeah. so you are a freshman, and you're focusing on media arts animation at the Academy. Uh, tell me a little bit about your, uh, I guess, your childhood. You're still young, but uh, tell me a little bit about what drew you to the arts. So uh, my parents have always been really supportive of me, you know, just trying trying whatever, whatever uh, I thought was creative. So I used to draw a lot, and I, you know, I still do. It wasn't until about two years ago that I really started animating, and uh, and 
and then my parents were really supportive and and then I found out about the animation program at the Chicago Academy for the Arts and okay. that's a dream it's it's fantastic and I know that you've already had a lot of accomplishments so uh Mom and Dad, um, I, I've heard a, a little bit of uh, the quotes from uh, from your mom, from Susie, and uh, it's really uh, it's incredible. You must be uh, you must be so proud. So, uh, so Juan, if you don't mind, tell me uh, a little bit about, uh, especially since since Miguel is so uh, passionate about the arts and has so many, I guess, things that can draw him aside from school. Uh, tell me a little bit about how the Chicago Academy of the, uh, for the Arts uh, helped focus uh, Miguel's. Uh, direction and is helping him accomplish his dreams while also achieving a top-notch education. Sure, definitely. That's that's a easy to answer that many different ways. Uh, first of all, I think the school gave him a community of his own, you know, people of his own age that are also artists and not just in the discipline of animation, but there's dancers, um, there's a music program which. Miguel, being a musician, he's not in the music program, but he still gets to be around musicians. So definitely the social aspect uh, was one way that the school really helped uh, that. I think another way is that they helped Miguel kind of focus and get some different perspectives as far as just making his art, taking his art to the next level. And that means his art, whether it be the animations that he does uh, during school, works on during school time, or even with our performances, I feel that He's really uh, made some some amazing strides. He's participated in this program in school uh, with one of the teachers where he goes on his lunch break and just practices songs with some of the other kids at the school. And, and I've noticed that he's made some great strides working with some really amazing uh, teachers there that have a lot of professional experience uh, performing and playing uh, around the nation, really. Well, it sounds like uh, there is uh, a very, very uh, thin line, uh, not much of a line at all between uh, Miguel, what you're, what you've been studying, as well as uh, what your passion is. Um, so, tell me a little bit about some of your, call it your greatest accomplishments thus far, and then I'd love to get into uh, what's next. And I understand that there's an exciting talent competition coming up. Yeah, sure, we'd love to talk about that, Miguel. Okay, so let me think about this for a second. Some of my greatest accompl- accomplishments uh, would be one of them would definitely be being accepted into the academy. Um, also, I, I uh, played at the Bulls or sing at the Bulls uh, halftime show twice by myself. <laughs> wow. And, uh, that's fantastic. Those are, those are fantastic accomplishments. So uh, I know that, that your story is one that's continuing uh, to be written, and that's uh, in thanks part to, uh, certainly to your parents, of course, but also uh, to the Chicago Academy for the Arts. So let's talk about what's next. Um, Juan, do you mind telling me a little bit about this ca- talent contest? Yeah, I would love to tell you about it. So coincidentally, not but a few days ago, we got noticed that we are included in this talent show it's called celebration of music and there's a chicago edition of the show it's a show that's going to run on pbs and if we make it past this round on may 6th there's a show here in chicago if we get the votes it's very similar to the america's got talent type of uh competition you know where people vote and things like that if we make it past this round on may 6th then we'll be going to california to film a pbs concert with ethan bortnick um, which will be aired nationally on pbs 
know. Ethan's a, a great, uh, great kid. I've uh, seen him perform uh, for some of our events oh, really? uh, out in Chicago. Oh, cool. Small world. Um, well, yeah. good luck with yeah. that. Um, of course, in a moment, I'm, I'm going to make sure that we uh, that we know how to. We'll find out more about that. And, of course, we'll share information for the Chicago Academy for the Arts. But um, you are uh, you have a family of of nine. And uh, and and it sounds like uh, there's a uh, this is a a culture not only at school uh, that has been uh, that has been established, but also at home. Uh, I understand that there's uh, just a bit of a uh, of a of a family band uh, that's been established, too. Yeah, 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 for sure. That's a, an understatement. Um, we as a family definitely have a, a culture, a family culture of music and the arts, and we have a professional family group. We actually support ourselves, our family, 100% off of uh, the income that we, we make from performing in different places all around Illinois and Chicago. We're even uh, planning to head to, to New York this summer. That is so exciting! Uh, congratulations on all of your uh, on all of your success, and Miguel, I cannot wait to see uh, see what's next in your story and in your career success. Whether it's uh, whether it's in your uh, animation program or certainly your musical career, it sounds like you've got some great things going uh, for you. So once again, regarding that uh, that uh, talent uh, contest, talent competition. Um, it, it, how can people uh, find out more? I know you mentioned it's uh, through PBS. Is there a, a website that you'd like to send people to, or can people just find it online? Well, to make, to make it as simple for people as possible, I'd recommend they go to our website, and from there they can check out our social media, and it's posted all over there. Our website is uh, just like the name of our group. It's www.cielitolindo.co. Oh, fantastic. And, uh, and we'll make sure to link to that through my website as well. Cielito uh, Lindo, uh, that's, uh, that, I know that's the, uh, your, your family, uh, your family uh, band, your family group. Um, and I'm sure that through the website, uh, folks can find out a little bit more about where you guys are, are performing. Uh, some great successes, some great accomplishments, including at the United Center with the Chicago Bulls. Uh, Miguel is accomplishing great things, uh, thanks to a fantastic uh, family uh, culture, and thanks to a fantastic education of the Chicago Academy for the Arts, you've got a lot to be proud of. Aside for the uh, the band website, uh, the school website is Chicago Academy for the Arts dot org. Chicago Academy for the Arts. Uh, Juan uh, Miguel, thank you so much for joining us on the air today. Uh, thank you. Thanks, thanks for having us. Sure. Absolutely, and good luck with the contest. We'll spread the word, and uh, we wish you. All the luck in the world. Uh, well, coming up on Get Down to Business, I'm going to be joined by attorney uh, Tom Patterson. Uh, we've got a great uh, conversation in store for you throughout the program. We've got some great tips, advice, and information all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. So Chicago, don't touch that dial. A lot more coming up for you after the break. You can always download podcasts from Get Down to Business uh, on my website, ShalomKlein.com. Follow me on Twitter, at ShalomKlein. Check out our sponsors, TandemHR, TandemHR.com. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to Get Down to Business. Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. I'm thrilled to be joined by attorney Tom Patterson, the managing partner of the Patterson Law Firm. Uh, Tom, welcome to the program. Well, thanks very much. I love your program. I appreciate it. I appreciate having you on. Um, so you, uh, before we get uh, into the substance of what you do, uh, 
folks that will go on your website and, of course, will share contact information will see that your, uh, as you say, as, as of yet unwritten memoir, it's going to be called Confessions of a Trial Lawyer. Uh, Tom, <laughs> I have to ask you about that. And, and of course, I uh, would love to hear a little bit about your background and what led you to this. Confessions of a Trial Lawyer. Why that title? Why that book? <laughs> Well, I haven't written it yet, so it's a great title searching for a good book. But I, I just thought it would be a catchy thing and it would let me tell all the war stories that I've obtained as a result of 35 years practicing law. Oh, my gosh. Uh, sounds terrible. But now that we've already promoted the title, now you have to, uh, you have to write that book. <laughs> now I have, to co- yeah, I have to come through and write, actually write the darn thing. Well, it's an open invitation. You'll come back on to promote the book. So tell me a little bit about your career and uh, why you're so traumatized by, uh, by, <laughs> by some of those <laughs> things that you've experienced. <laughs> well, I, I graduated law school in 1979, and then I got my postgraduate education working for a Supreme Court Justice on the state of Illinois Supreme Court, Justice Clark, and then I joined a big firm. And eventually I got tired of the bureaucracy at the big firm and decided that uh, I had some ideas that I wanted to try out. And so I started my own firm in the year 2000. We had our bar mitzvah in 2013, and we've never looked back. <laughs> uh, well, you certainly have a lot of experience to speak of, uh, and uh, I know you have a fantastic reputation. So uh, let's talk about the Patterson Law Firm. Um, you are certainly, uh, you call yourself a, a business uh, a business law firm, a business, uh, a business lawyer, but, and you handle many different areas, but you have, a, you have several, uh, call it specialties, some areas that, uh, that you focus on that many other attorneys are not. Uh, let's talk about the... Uh, the practice areas for the Patterson Law Firm? Sure. We concentrate our practice in business disputes, and we bill ourselves as trial lawyers for businesses, professionals, and entrepreneurs. I would say about one-third of our practice relates to shareholder or LLC member disputes. Another area of concentration is professional malpractice. Uh, We will even sue another lawyer or defend lawyers before the ARDC. And then we have the garden variety number of breach of contract claims, such as insurance coverage. So, for example, one of our cases was a computer store uh, burned up by a fire, and the insurance company charged the owner with committing arson. And uh, the actual owner actually lost the first trial, and we had to come in as new counsel, made a motion for a new trial. The judge, to his credit, granted it, and we were then able to defeat the insurance company and secure the coverage that he was entitled to. Uh, so you have uh, many stories of success. Well, you have, while you haven't written that book of Confessions of a Trial Lawyer, you have written the book on handling the business emergency, and that's what this show is all about, trying to help business owners become better business owners, learn from mistakes, and uh, certainly improve their skills. So uh, handling the business emergency, what is the typical uh, emergency? And uh, more importantly, Tom, how can businesses prevent that crisis from taking place? Well, a typical emergency might be you have a a limited partner or even a majority partner in some cases that engages in some self-dealing transaction, a transaction that benefits himself or herself at the expense of the business, or who decides to resign and steal your customer list or write themselves a bonus check that they're not entitled to that's unauthorized by the business. And so in some of these situations, you need to stop that or recover the money before they spend it. And so making having a lawsuit that's going to take place over two or three year period doesn't actually prevent the harm. And so in some cases, you need an emergency remedy. 
and I thought that I could educate people by writing a book on that topic, and the ABA published it in 2009. Uh, it's, a great, uh, it's a great topic and very, very important. So, uh, Tom, uh, a lot of, uh, I think a lot of the mistakes that people make is, as you said, uh, the lack of prevention. There's, uh, in, we, talk, we're, we keep using that term book, but uh, essentially when somebody goes into business, it's, it's not like they need to start from scratch. Um, but sadly, many entrepreneurs uh, think that they, uh, that they know better that they can cut corners. So for the entrepreneur tuning in tonight that's, uh, that's deciding to incorporate in the state of Illinois um, and likely is going into business with a partner, and they may be best friends, they may have known each other uh, through college, they, uh, they, they've gone, they've traveled the world together, um, what advice do you have for them, uh, notwithstanding that relationship? Well, you know, you've almost listed the paradigm example of what kind of a case that I see. Childhood friends or college roommates decide to go into business, and they haven't really thought through what the risks are. Number one, who is providing what to the business? Is someone providing sales and the other person is providing operational experience? Is someone providing money and someone else is providing coding or intellectual property? What is it that each is contributing to the enterprise? And then you need to figure out what the risks are or what the rewards are. What happens if the company makes more money than either of the two partners ever dreamed of? Or what happens if they need more money as a startup? The greed factor was something a client once explained to me. He ranted and raved. Every time he wanted to develop some intellectual property, he would get a financial angel to come in. And then just when they were on the verge of success, the financial angel will try to squeeze him out of the business and take it all over for himself. And so you have to worry about the protections that you put into an agreement, and you have to establish the basic risks. What happens if you make a lot of money? What happens if you lose? What happens if someone gets divorced or disabled or decides that they want out? How do you value the business when you get out? And a lot of people feel trapped. Let's say you're a minority shareholder with a 20% interest in a business, and the majority interest holder terminates your employment, doesn't give you any compensation, doesn't let you look at the books and records. You have remedies under Illinois law in that scenario. And so you need to consult a lawyer and avail yourself of those remedies. And you can coerce a buyout, you can coerce a receiver, you can coerce a dissolution, depending on the facts, circumstances presented. And all lawyers are not uh, created equal. Um, Tom, you're, you're one of the good ones, and certainly uh, uh, you, you have uh, been doing this for a long time. We talked a little bit earlier about your experience. But uh, something unique about your practice, as you mentioned earlier, is your work uh, sometimes uh, 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 fighting against, uh, against other attorneys, including uh, 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 fighting their licenses uh, with the ARDC. Uh, so let's talk about that, about uh, certainly for entrepreneurs uh, picking a good attorney. Um, there's, uh, uh, we, we could delve on that in a little bit uh, for, for a moment. But also I'm curious about uh, some of the examples of uh, these cases that you've, uh, that you've filed against other attorneys? Well, there are cases in which somebody botches a legal description to transfer property or fails to make an agreement contingent upon approval by the franchisor. There are cases when someone has botched the uh, patent and the length of time that a, a patent is going to be enforceable. There are situations when a lawyer gets conflicted out of a case on the eve of trial or on the eve of some other proceeding and disadvantages the client. Uh, there are the typical 
cases in which a lawyer blows the statute of limitations or uh, makes any number of uh, mistakes. And and those, as as much as uh, I love my brother attorneys, uh, we've inflicted the medical malpractice crisis on doctors. It seems to me only fair that lawyers stand to account when they have made a mistake as well. So uh, any tips for selecting a good attorney? Yeah, I have a lot of those tips. One, I would interview more than one uh, law firm or lawyer. Number two, I would trust your instincts. Number three, I would get your lawyer to advise what is going to happen and then measure what does happen against uh, what the lawyer said was going to happen. And if your instincts tell you to get a second opinion, call me. Oh, that's uh, that's great. Um, great advice. And uh, as we said, uh, attorneys are not created equal and uh, and certainly it's important to do your due diligence. And that is why we are talking to Tom Patterson, once again, from the Patterson Law Firm. Um, Tom, how can people learn more about the practice and get in touch with you? The website we have is www.pattersonlawfirm.com. You can email me at tpatterson at pattersonlawfirm.com, or you could call me at 312-223-1699. Our initial consultations are always without charge, and I'm happy to talk to anybody who has a question. Appreciate it. Well, thank you again, Tom Patterson. The website, once again, pattersonlawfirm.com. Be sure to check it out. Be sure to get in touch with uh, the team at the Patterson Law Firm. Tom, we appreciate your time. Hey, thanks very much. Great to be on your show. Absolutely. We'll have you back again sometime real soon. We're going to be talking with a uh, with the author of a new book called The Abundance Project, 40 Days to More Wealth, Health, Love, and Happiness. Uh, so don't touch that Dallas Chicago right after the headlines. Quick break. We'll be back with more of Get Down to Business. Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. We love to share advice with our small business owners who are tuning in. Um, And they are brought to you by Tandem HR. We always call them our solution center because they have so many solutions for small business, including uh, uh, tips on how to uh, comply with the Affordable Care Act. So many new uh, and evolving changes uh, regarding the uh, new tax laws, and you've got to stay up to date. Um, but today we're going to talk about building employee engagement through recognition and building a culture full of recognition. Appreciation will help keep employees engaged. A glass door study shows that 80% of employees work harder and stay longer with employers that show appreciation for their work. While fair pay is important to retain your top talent, today's employees put on put an increasing value on meaningful and validated work. Both formal and informal expressions of appreciation will help build relationships, enhance self-esteem, and foster creativity. So I've got some eight tips for you on how to build employee engagement through recognition. Number one is express your appreciation constantly. That means that it can't just be a one-time-a-year thing, but create a broad list of phrases that encourage positive behaviors and recognize efforts and achievements. Avoid playing favorites and remember to recognize all employees for their contributions. If you have trouble pinpointing good behaviors, qualities, or work from a specific employee, you may have a larger issue to address. And use a simple recognition formula to celebrate desired behaviors. Um, so you've got you've to look at their uh, specific behavior, 
uh, there, I identify the positive impact, and then, of course, you thank them. That is recognition. So let's say an employee takes the initiative to enhance their report with a nice visual aid. You may say, I see that you connected the statistics to graphs in your report. Senior leadership will more easily understand your conclusions with visual aids. Great job. Uh, make sure you take the time to reach uh, and to coach employees to help build their skills. Employees will find this most useful when they're facing a particularly difficult task or project that may be outside of their comfort zone or area of expertise and encourage employees to take on projects for which they have passion. These are areas in which they are more likely to become engaged and motivated and show interest in your employees' personal lives that everyone has unique interests, hobbies, and other areas of their personal lives that may spark passion. Learning more about what your employees are passionate about will help develop a more meaningful relationship with them. Periodically, you want to ask them about those things. You may also opt to include significant others or family members in company-wide events whenever possible. And surprise employees. Share your appreciation with handwritten notes or a kind gesture when they least expect it. And consider employees as colleagues and equals. Everyone wants to be respected. The tone of your voice can be very important. Sometimes a statement may come out sounding condescending when that was never the intention. And make sure that the expression of appreciation is meaningful and sincere. Too much of a good thing can cheapen the experience. When you praise someone for the sake of praise alone, employees will know and it can have the opposite effect of their original intent. I hope you find those things helpful and I hope that you can find a way to implement this in your business no matter if you have one employee or 500 employees. So if you need more guidance on building employee engagement, uh, if you struggle with building employee engagement or creating your desired corporate culture, and again, it doesn't matter what size company you have, and you truly want to create an exceptional workforce, um, I would recommend that you partner with our friends at Tandem HR. They're an IRS-certified professional employer organization, a CPEO, providing custom HR solutions to hundreds of small and mid-sized businesses, and their experts handle payroll, benefits, risk management, and employee relations so that busy executives can focus on revenue-generating activities. You want to contact Tandem HR for a free consultation today. It's a free consultation. You can give them a call, 630-928-0510, 630-928-0510, or you can email them, simplify at tandemhr.com. Um, lots of tips for you. So uh, once again, check out their website, tandemhr.com. Give them a call for a free consultation, 630-928-0510. And uh, you can always get on my website, shalomkline.com. That's where you can check out more additional tips that will help you in business over the coming week. And that's what it's all about. Shalomkline.com. Follow me on Twitter at shalomkline. You'll get a sneak peek of who's going to be in next week on the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. And as the weather gets better outside, um, this is the spring that uh, never seemed to come. We're already uh, pretty much in May and uh, the warm weather is finally coming, that means it's a good opportunity to start networking more. That means that you can get out of your house, stop hibernating, find some networking events to get out there, continue to meet new people, and that is what it is all about. Our next guest, uh, David Gunkel, is going to talk to us about how companies are using new technology to monitor every move in the workplace. Um, So, uh, fascinating topic, and uh, it's not just 
massive companies that are doing that. Uh, there are the, I think we're going to start to see uh, more of that. Uh, and once again, Professor David Gunkel at Northern Illinois University will be joining us in just a moment. Uh, check out our sponsors, tandemhr.com. Give them a call, 630-928-0510, or uh, visit their website, tandemhr.com. Lots of networking events and lots of opportunities are posted and are available on my website. Uh, I always encourage the folks at the Small Business Advocacy Council, as well as uh, some of the local area chambers of commerce. They can be great resources as you start to get out and about as the weather gets better. Um, We'll be back in just a moment. More of Get Down to Business uh, with Professor David Gunkel from Northern Illinois University. Chicago, don't touch that dial. Welcome back to Get Down to Business. I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Uh, thrilled to be joined uh, once again by uh, Professor David Gunkel, Professor at Northern Illinois University, who has a focus on technology and cyberspace. Uh, fascinating topics. Uh, Professor Gunkel, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So uh, I know you've written extensively on this topic about companies using new technology to monitor Every move in the workplace, we've been hearing about uh, stores and businesses tracking customers, but really employees too? Yeah, so, I mean, there's some history here because uh, worker monitoring goes way back to the 19th and early 20th centuries in which businesses and uh, manufacturers are trying to get better managerial approaches to worker activity. And so they would film workers and they would do time motion studies and ergonomic studies and this sort of business to make their business more effective and more productive. Additionally, the current right to privacy in the workplace under U.S. law is really quite weak for workers. Um, Right now, if you look at the way the law is written and the sort of case law has developed, your employer can basically monitor everything you do uh, as long as it has a legitimate business purpose. And that is everything from read your snail mail to read your email to watch you um, as you're working on the Internet and record your click streams uh, to videotape your activities in the facility. Um, and we're just seeing an explosion of this as employers start to really use the technology that's become recently available to uh, monitor even closer. Oh man! So uh, so wristbands that are are uh, that are tracking employee hand motions are starting to be implemented. Um, to uh, I mean, the, it, it, you imply that it may even happen. Uh, implanted microchips under workers' skin. Is this just a uh, just a, a something uh, futuristic, or is this something that we may actually start to hear companies uh, starting to talk about openly? Yeah, it's not only not futuristic, it's happening right now. It's been going on for quite some time. Uh, Amazon recently patented a Fitbit-like wristband that is meant to monitor not only employee health, but also uh, hand movement so that they can work with employees to get more uh, efficiency out of what they do in the warehouses and in working with packages and, and other kinds of things at Amazon. Going beyond the sort of wristband, um, you have the implantables. Uh, right now, just you know, not too long ago, I think about a year ago, Three Square Market in Wisconsin, a, a vending machine company, offered their employees a voluntary program where they could have a little RFID chip about the size of a grain of rice 
inserted into the piece of flesh between their index finger and their thumb. And the idea would be this would be your, your ID, and you could open doors, you could gain access to the copy machine, you could uh, pay for things in the lunchroom, and the idea would be everywhere you'd have to take out your ID and swipe it, now you could just hold up your hand, and the RFID chip would be read, and that would give, gain access. And it sounds sort of like a science fiction dystopia, but a good number of employees at Three Square Markets signed up for the program. So uh, certainly uh, many of our listeners uh, must be wondering if uh, these technologies are, you know, you consider it a major breakthrough that will, improve, that it will improve the employee experience, or is this crossing a line when it comes to personal privacy and safety? Where is that line drawn, and uh, is, that, uh, is that topic still being written? What's your opinion? Yeah, I think right now we are seeing the beginning of a debate about how to balance, on the one hand, the needs and uh, the interests of the employer, and then on the other hand, the needs and interests of the employee. And you're right, the uh, employer has a need to make uh, their operations more efficient and to be more productive. The employee, on the other hand, needs to have control over his or her privacy. And I think we're going to see a big back and forth as we try to figure this out around these new technologies. So I think we're just at the beginning of a debate that will go on for quite some time. Wow. Um, so, Professor Gonkel, so uh, we're going to uh, a lot more questions for you. Um, but uh, where did you initially hear about this? I know your focus is on uh, technology and cyberspace. What are some of the other uh, things that you're following? So one of the interesting things is Fitbit, the uh, little health monitoring wristband that all of us seem to like for monitoring our uh, exercise, our steps, etc. They are beginning to offer packages to corporations and saying, you know, if you take on the Fitbit program, we'll give you a uh, employee wellness uh, situation where we can help you track your employee uh, exercise, your employee uh, exertion, and you may even be able to use this to negotiate for lower insurance costs. So IBM has done this. A number of other places have done this right now on voluntary basis. It is not yet mandatory, but again, a number of employees sign up because they get a free Fitbit in the process. So Fitbit says, we'll give everybody a free Fitbit. All they have to do is participate in this program for employee wellness for a period of time. And uh, this kind of incentivizes people to uh, get involved. Another organization out in San Francisco called uh, Aperio, it's a startup, and they actually use this Fitbit as a way of uh, tracking and gathering a whole bunch of data on their employees, and they use this to negotiate a 6% reduction in cost for insurance, and they passed on that savings both to the corporation and to the employees. So everybody got a little extra for allowing the monitoring to happen. So I think we're going to see a lot more of this going on where uh, insurance will want people to start using these monitors for health as a way of incentivizing people to do more proactive things as opposed to reactive things uh, regarding their health care. Uh, absolutely. And uh, I, please don't say anything uh, too bad about Fitbit because, uh, you know, I don't want to be scared off uh, completely. And I know that uh, I know that a lot of our listeners uh, are pacing back and forth, listening to the program, trying to make sure that they get <laughs> they get the last uh, 100 of their 10,000 steps uh, in. So you specialize on uh, on information and compu- and communication technology. Once again, we're chatting with David Gonkel, professor. Um, at Northern Illinois University. Um, Professor David Gunkel, I've got a lot more questions for you. Can you stick around for just uh, for another few minutes? Perfectly fine. Absolutely. Well, Chicago, we'll be right back and get down to business. Don't touch the dial more with David Gunkel about technology in the, workfor- in the workplace coming up. 
Welcome back. We are chatting, uh, continuing our conversation with David Gunkel, uh, professor, uh, educator, scholar, and author um, at Northern Illinois University. Uh, David, we've been chatting about uh, companies using new technology to monitor every move in the workplace. So uh, what companies have been the early adopters of this technology? So some of the early adopters were IBM. Um, one of them I just mentioned before, Aperio. Uh, you see some stuff happening with um, some other sort of large companies like Google, etc. So places that are normally very tech-oriented are some of the early adopters. But it's not just tech companies. I think this three-square market in um, Wisconsin was uh, kind of an outlier because they're not a Silicon Valley startup. They're not a major player in information technology. They're a vending machine company. So I think we're seeing it across the board, and we're seeing it from a lot of different sectors simultaneously. Uh, and when might uh, some of our listeners or friends uh, start to see this technology in their own office? So they'll see it as soon as there is an incentive to investigate it and experiment with it. And the incentive is things like reduced work, uh, loss of work, uh, productivity, efficiency. But also on the employee side, there are some efficiencies that are uh, available um, and the idea of being able to have easier access to the facility to not have to always swipe your ID, etc. So as soon as there's a tipping point for convenience, where the convenience factor seems to outweigh the trade-offs for privacy, I think we're going to see a rather high adoption rate. So uh, we still call this new technology. Um, so that means that uh, certainly patents have been have been filed. Um, why, uh, why are companies uh, developing patents in this? Is this sort of a one-size-fits-all and, and multiple companies might be taking advantage of and embracing this new tech- technology in the workplace? Or are we going to see Amazon creating their own, uh, their own process? I know I mentioned earlier I've been hearing about wristbands that are tracking employee hand motions and then maybe even microchips. Are there different forms of this technology and are companies like Amazon trying to create their own? Right. So you can see the broad spectrum of possibility here. You have some uh, turnkey operators who will just provide this as a service, and I think Fitbit is a really good example of that um, with regards to their wristband. Amazon uh, is not satisfied with what's commercially available on the market, so they patented their own wristband and uh, will most likely go into production of that in the future. Uh, the RFID chip that was used at Three Square Markets uh, has been around for a long time, um, at least you know close to a decade. Uh, we use it with our dogs to tag our dogs so that when our dog gets lost, they can be scanned and you can identify the owner. Uh, using it in humans is brand new, but it has gained FDA approval for this use. And as a result, it's uh, something that is being explored by a number of different manufacturers and vendors uh, who are offering it as a, uh, as a product to uh, different employers to utilize. So I think we're going to see a lot of innovation happening with companies that have some involvement in tech and then uh, adoption from the companies that are not tech companies, but shopping around for solutions to provide their employees and their operations with uh, this kind of technology. Well, listen, I think that technology is a, uh, is a good thing and people need to embrace uh, technology and continue to innovate and adapt. At the same time, there there has to be a point where uh, perhaps we, we've gone uh, too far. And uh, David, I'm, I'm curious, just as we wrap up uh, our conversation, I'm curious, 
if uh, laws are going to have to be uh, drafted, or are you already seeing any legislation either on the state level, local level, or even on the national level um, regarding the limitations? I know uh, there's been a lot of conversation about tracking employees' social media use. What about literally movements? Yes. So, you know, one of the things I tell my students all the time is that technology moves at light speed and the law moves at pen and paper speed. So we are in a situation where the technology is far beyond what the current law covers. And trying to catch the law up is going to take a, a number of years to sort of make that happen. Yeah. Um, well, well happen uh, David, we're going to have to leave it there. I do want to encourage people to check out your website, gunkelweb.com, G-U-N-K-E-L-Web.com. Uh, we appreciate your time on the program. Check out my website, shalomkline.com. Check out our sponsors, Tandem HR. We'll be back next Sunday, 6 p.m. right here on AM560. To success, let's get down to business. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.